60 Minutes, only on CBS, Sundays after football. Only on the East Coast, won't be playing on the West Coast. COVID, health, all about COVID. What does this mean for Americans' health with COVID? The medicine is available. Sixteen minutes on CBS right now with Brock Obama, President Brock Obama, the forty-fourth President of the United States, talking about his. Book and the conversation him and Donald Trump had before going into the White House for Donald Trump. Should be some riveting stuff. Follow me for some more. Sixty minutes. We have gone through a president. Barack Obama disregarded a whole host of basic institutional norms. What we've seen is what some people call truth decay, something that's been accelerated by outgoing President Trump, in the sense that not only do we not have to tell the truth, but the truth doesn't even matter. Tonight, President Barack Obama on the state of our nation and insights from a new memoir about his own presidency. And I asked myself in the book, how much of this is just megalomania? How much of this is vanity? How much of this is me trying to um, prove something to myself? Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard of TikTok. Here's the problem with TikTok as it exists now. It is owned by a Chinese parent company that has direct ties to the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, And we also know that under Chinese law, TikTok, ByteDance, the parent, is required to share data with the Chinese Communist Party. Required. Required to under Chinese law. American users, parents, teenagers, they have no way of knowing about any of this. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Bill Whitaker. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Scott Pelley. Those stories and more tonight on 60 Minutes. That's coming up in just a few minutes. of the office by design. 
And when your time is up, uh, then it is your job to put the country first and think beyond your own ego and your own interests and your own disappointments. Um, my advice to President Trump uh, is if you want at this late stage in the game to be remembered as somebody who put com country first, uh, it's time for you to do the same thing. In your view, it is time for him to concede. Absolutely. I will. I mean, I think it was time for him to concede probably uh, the day after the election uh, or at the latest two days after the election. Uh, when you look at the numbers objectively, uh, Joe Biden will have one handle. There is no scenario in which um, any of uh, those states would turn the other way and certainly not enough to reverse uh, the outcome of the election. More than the courtesy of a concession, the Trump White House is declining to free up the usual funds and facilities for the incoming administration. President-elect Biden is not receiving secret national security briefings as Mr. Trump did when he was president-elect. What, in your estimation, would our adversaries be thinking right now, Russia, China, about the fact that the transition is not moving forward? Well, I, uh, look, I think our adversaries have seen uh, us weakened, uh, not just as a consequence of this election, but over the last several years. Uh, we have these cleavages in the body politic that uh, they're convinced they can exploit. There's an old adage that partisan politics should uh, stop at the water's edge, right? That uh, when it comes to uh, our foreign policy, that it is the United States of America, uh, not the divided States of America. We met the former president at a symbol of America's past divisions. The Smithsonian's National Portrait Gallery was a hospital in the Civil War. Clint Barton and Walt Whitman cared for patients in the building where the 16th president consoled his wounded. We joined Mr. Obama's peers in the Gallery of the Presidents to talk about his book. I'm curious about the title. I think a lot of people feel that we are farther from a promised land. Well, I, I titled it The Promised Land because even though we may not get there in our lifetimes, even if we experience hardships and disappointments along the way, uh, that I at least still have faith we can uh, create a more perfect union. Not a perfect union, but a more perfect union. You write in the book, our democracy seems to be teetering on the brink of a crisis. What do you mean? We have gone through a presidency that disregarded a whole host of basic institutional norms, uh, <sighs> expectations we have for a president that uh, had been observed by Republicans and Democrats uh, previously. Uh, and maybe most importantly, uh, and, and uh, most disconcertingly, what we've seen is what some people call truth decay, <laughs> something that's been accelerated by outgoing President Trump, in the sense that not only do we not have to tell the truth, but the truth doesn't even matter. What are these false claims of widespread election fraud doing to our country right now? The president doesn't like to lose and uh, never admits loss. Um, I'm more troubled by the fact that other Republican officials who clearly know better are going along with this, are humoring him in this fashion. Um, it is one more step in delegitimizing not just the incoming Biden administration, but democracy generally. And that's a dangerous path. We would never accept that out of our own kids behaving that way if they lost. Right? I, I mean, if, if, if my daughter's in, in any kind of competition, uh, pouted and, and then accused uh, the other side of uh, cheating when they lost, when there was no evidence of it, we'd scold them. You know, I, I think that there has been uh, this sense over the last several years that literally anything goes and is justified in order to get power.
uh, and um, you know, that's not unique to the United States. There are strongmen and dictators around the world who think that I can do anything to stay in power. Uh, I can kill people. I can throw them in jail. I can run phony elections. I can suppress journalists. Um, but that's not who we're supposed to be. And one of the signals, I think, that uh, Joe Biden needs to send to the world is that, no, no those values that we preached and we uh, believed in and subscribed in, uh, we still believe. President-elect Biden won in this election more votes than anyone in history. Yeah. And yet, the 2020 vote wasn't a repudiation of Donald Trump. It was more like an affirmation. He received 71 million votes, 8 million more than he did in 2016. What does that tell you about our country today? Well, A, it tells us that we're very divided. And as I said, it's not just the politicians now. The voters are divided. Um, it has now become a contest where issues, facts, policies per se don't matter. Uh, as much as identity and wanting to uh, beat the other guy. Uh, yeah, that's taken priority. I do think the current media environment adds to that greatly. This democracy doesn't work if we don't have an informed citizen. This democracy doesn't work if we don't have uh, responsible elected officials at other levels who are willing to call the president when he's not doing something right. Call him on. It seems, though, Mr. President, that Americans have gone from disagreeing with one another to hating one another, the, a problem that this man had. Uh, you know, and I wonder, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good example of, uh, of somebody who, uh, who I think understood deeply uh, the need to, to be able to see uh, another person's point of view. How do we overcome where we are today? Well, there's no uh, American figure that I admire uh, any more than Abraham Lincoln, but he did end up uh, with a civil war on his hands. I think we'd like to avoid that. Uh, I, I do think that uh, a new president can set a new tone. That's not going to solve all the gridlock in Washington. I think we're going to have to work um, with the media and with the tech companies to find ways to inform the public better about the issues and to uh, bolster the, the standards that ensure we can separate truth from fiction. I think that we have to work at a local level. When you start getting to the local level, mayors, uh, county commissioners, etc. They've actually got to make real decisions. It's not abstractions. It's like, we need to fix this road. We need to uh, get this snow plowed. We need to make sure our kids uh, have a, a safe playground to, to, to play in. And uh, at that level, I don't think people have that kind of visceral hatred. And, and that's where we have to start in terms of rebuilding the social trust we need for democracy to work. Mr. Obama is speaking after four years of virtual silence on Donald Trump. He followed a traditional commandment largely observed since Adams succeeded Washington. Thou shall not criticize your successor. In A Promised Land, he wonders if that was a mistake. In your book, you ask, quote, whether I was too tempered in speaking the truth too cautious in word or deed. Many Americans, Mr. President, believe you were too cautious, too tempered. Yeah, and, and I think that's a, a legitimate and understandable uh, criticism. At the end of the day, I consistently tried to treat my political opposition uh, in the ways I'd want to be treated to not overreact when, for example, uh, somebody yells, you lie, in the middle of me giving a joint congressional address. 
I understand why there were times where my supporters wanted me to be more pugilistic, to, you know, uh, pop folks uh, in the head and, 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 and duke it out a little bit more. Uh, was it a mistake if you didn't? Uh, every president brings a certain temperament to office. I think part of the reason I got elected was because I sent a message that fundamentally I believe the American people are good and decent and that um, politics doesn't have to be uh, some cage match in, uh, in which uh, everybody is, is going at each other's throats uh, and that we can agree without being disagreeable. There have been worse presidential transitions than in 2020. The southern states seceded while Lincoln was president-elect. Still, we couldn't help but notice, outside the National Portrait Gallery, businesses are still boarded up against the fear of political violence. What should President Trump do on this next inauguration day? Look, there, there are a set of traditions that we have followed in the peaceful transfer of power. The outgoing president congratulates the incoming president, instructs the government and the agencies to cooperate with the new government coming in. We invite the president-elect to the Oval Office. How are you? And then, on Inauguration Day, the president invites the president-elect to the White House. There's a small reception, and then you drive to the inauguration site. And the outgoing president sits there, is part of the audience, as the new president is sworn in. And at that point, the outgoing president is a citizen like everybody else and owes the new president the chance to do their best uh, on behalf of the American people. Whether uh, Donald Trump uh, will do the same thing, uh, we'll have to see. So far, that's not been uh, his approach. Um, but... Uh, you know, uh, hope springs eternal. There's a promised land out there somewhere. Two hours after Mr. Obama said that, President Trump tweeted from the White House, we will win, even though no state is reporting fraud or errors that could change the outcome. We'll be back with Barack Obama on other crises in our country and one in his own home. The free 30 day supply of Sarah Botanics perfect. Breonna Taylor, right? George Floyd. Uh, why is this injustice never overcome? Well, for a couple of reasons. One is that we have a criminal justice system in which we ask, oftentimes very young, oftentimes not very well-trained uh, officers to go into communities and just keep a lid on things. And you know, we don't try to get at some of the underlying causes for chronic poverty. So if we're going to actually solve this problem, there's some specific things we can do to make sure that our contracts with police officers uh, don't completely insulate them when they do something wrong, putting money into budgets for training these police officers more effectively, teaching police officers not to escalate, but to de-escalate. But it's important for us not to let ourselves off the hook and think this is just a police problem because those shootings that devaluation of life is part and parcel with a legacy of discrimination and Jim Crow and segregation that we're all responsible for and if we're going to actually put an end to racial bias and criminal justiceism then we're going to have to work on doing something about racial bias in corporate America and bias this is true where people can buy homes 
and that is a larger project in which all of the good news is all of us can take some responsibility. We, we can all do better on this front than we've been doing. Scott, how are you? Elbow bump? I'm well, Mr. President. We joined the president this past Wednesday behind masks and then kept our distance as the U.S. counted 143,000 known COVID infections that day, a new record. Mr. Obama had also faced an outbreak in his first term, a new flu, H1N1. Well, I was terrified of it, uh, and very quickly mobilized a team uh, to figure out how are we going to take uh, the best possible approach. And from the start, I had some very clear criteria, which was, number one, we're going to follow the science. And the second thing was, let's make sure we're providing good information to the American people. But H1N1 was not as contagious nor as lethal as COVID. It ultimately killed 12,000 Americans. Other battles in his book include the financial crisis, passing the Affordable Care Act, the decision to kill Osama bin Laden, and leaving eight years of work in the hands of another. You begin the book by writing about the day that you left Washington, quote, to someone diametrically opposed to everything we stood for. That may be the one thing that uh, Donald Trump and I agree on, <laughs> is that he doesn't agree with me on anything. I don't see him as the cause for our divisions and the problems with our government. I think he's an accelerant, but they preceded him. And sadly, uh, are going to likely outlast him. You write in the book that Republicans had a battle plan to, quote, refuse to work with them regardless of the circumstances, the issue, or the consequences for the country. Now, the same might be said of Democrats in a Republican administration. Yeah, I wonder if today you think that Democrats and Republicans are no longer capable of compromise. First of all, I don't think this is uh, just a plague on both their houses here. So the Democrats have opposed George Bush on a whole bunch of stuff. But Ted Kennedy worked with George Bush to pass uh, a prescription drug plan for seniors. Nancy Pelosi adamantly opposed the war in Iraq. Time and again, voted, even when her base was angry about it, to make sure that our troops were funded once the decision uh, to send their troops to Iraq uh, went in. Mr. Obama blames gridlock on something old and something new. The Senate's filibuster tradition, which allows whatever party is in the minority to block legislation, and non-traditional media. The media landscape has changed, and as a consequence, voters' perceptions have changed. So that I think Democratic and Republican voters have become much more partisan. I would often hear this from Republicans uh, during my presidency. Some of these folks have been colleagues of mine. I, would, I served in the Senate. Some of them were friends of mine. And they would confess to me. I said, look, Mr. President, I know you're right, but if I vote with you on this, I'm going to get killed. I'll lose my seat. Because what had happened is their voter base had soaked in so much information that was demonizing me, demonizing the Affordable Care Act, that it becomes very difficult, even for folks who want to cooperate, to cooperate. And that's why um, I am somebody who does not blame the current partisanship solely on Donald Trump or solely on social media. You already saw some of these trends taking place early in my presidency, but I do think they kept on getting worse. The former president also writes about his unlikely rise, including the obstacles at home. You're surprisingly honest in the book mm -hmm. about your wife's opposition to you running for president in 2008. You quote her as saying, the answer is no. I do not want you running for president. God, Barack, when is it going to be enough? Did I get the tone right? Uh, it was a little sharper than that, but it was pretty good. Scott. And then she walks out of the room. Why did that not stop you? Look, it's a legitimate question. Keep in mind the context here. We had just two years earlier, I'd run for the U.S. Senate. 
in an unlikely race. Two years before that, I had run for Congress. In a race you lost. In a race I lost. A couple of years before that, I had run for the state senate. We've got two young kids. Michelle's still working. And I asked myself in the book, you know, how much of this is just megalomania? How much of this is vanity? How much of this is me trying to um, prove something to myself? And over time, she made a conclusion that I shouldn't stand in the way of this. Um, she did she so. should not stand in the way of your ambitions yeah. to be president. Yeah, and, and, and she did so grudgingly. Um, and the fact that I ended up winning didn't necessarily alleviate her, her frustration because the toll it takes on families is real. I think it's only after you emerge from an all-consuming job that you realize that everything you hold dear is thanks to the one you love. I think I actually realized that even while I was in the job. Um, the fact that she put up with it and forgave me <laughs> was uh, an, an act of, of grace that I uh, am grateful for, uh, and I'm not sure I deserve. The goal here, Scott, today at age 59, Mr. Obama is working on his presidential center. So this is going to be on the south side of Chicago in historic Jackson Park, and uh, it's it's the place where Michelle and I met, where I first started in public life. His team brought this model to show us. Mr. Obama's foundation has raised from private donations a little over half the estimated $500 million cost. It'll take about four years once they start. It's uh, going to be a place where you know, we have the standard model Oval Office and Michelle's dresses, which will be very popular, no doubt. Um, but also, you know, a whole host of facilities that allow us to provide classroom training to young people who are interested in uh, public service and, you know, to beautify a park that uh, can serve uh, a whole bunch of young people who've been uh, underserved in the past. In his last moments in the Oval Office, Mr. Obama left a note in the president's desk for his successor. It read in part, we are just temporary occupants of this office. It's up to us to leave the instruments of our democracy at least as strong as we found them. On that last day, uh, the emotions really focus on the team that you've been working on. And it's very rare outside of maybe wartime where you get a collection of people working together in a sustained way under that kind of pressure and stress. And so there's a melancholy to it. There was also, though, and I write about this, a satisfaction in knowing that I had uh, finished the job, I had run my stretch of the race, and I could say unequivocally, despite regrets and disappointments about some things not getting done, um, the country was better off uh, when I left than when I, when I got there. Producer Marie... You have been listening to 60 Minutes with President Obama. I think that he's right on many fronts. And that's hard for me to say because I'm a, I'm a Republican, but I'm also... An American. Do I think he's the best president of the United States? No, no one is. Not that I've... Uh, not that I have um, come across... I haven't come across the great president of my generation... Yet. So, if I had to pick a, a president of my generation that I w would look up to, 
it would have to be either President Bush or um President just President Bush to be honest and that's even though I understand that uh, um what President Bush did by the date 9-11 which is now um September 11th 2001 that wasn't his fault the day the twin towers came down that wasn't his fault I I remember speaking about um I remember speaking to somebody about the election when the state of America when I was in school at an assembly. And uh, what she told me, and I quote, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, and it certainly has, although Mr. Obama has done some good things, within our president within America and then to have President Donald Trump just makes me laugh and, and it makes me sad because President Obama did do some good things. No, he didn't get my letters and throughout his presidency, yes, I have written him letters they're still in my com computer, and they're going to Joe Biden, to be honest, because there are some things that I see that I want to help on, and hopefully... make my own mark within helping the President of the United States run this country. Um, no, he did not um, get a clear second chance to ref reform the medical bill Obamacare as people would like to say the Affordable Care Act 
He didn't get to do that. But what he did do... He brought us together before anyone else would and before Mr. Donald Trump, now President of the United States, Mr. 45, tore us apart. And now there is division in America because one set of people want it this way, one set of people want it another, another way. And there is not a meeting of the minds in any sort of way. I'm telling you this, folks, because it's the truth. We need to come together as an American force. We need to come together united with Joe Biden and run the country. You ain't gonna get a president out of Joe Biden that tweets like you get one now. I've never heard of a tweeting president until I heard of Donald, Donald Trump. And that is the truth, guys. Sucks to hear, but... He is the only incoming president... Outcoming president now. Incoming, outcoming president. As of January 20th. That has ever tweeted... America and got his policies across. I've never heard of a tweeting president president in, until I met until I saw that Donald Trump had a Twitter account. And things were coming to light on CNN. And what he says to the media a couple weeks ago on today was... I need my I need my voice. I have no voice. Without Twitter, I have no voice. What is America coming to, folks? What is America coming to? I tell you where it's coming to. Is coming to a direct stop because there are people dying of COVID, there are people dying of disease, and he doesn't care. Our president now does not care. I care enough about the news 
that I want to bring it to you guys in my own little way and tell you the facts. This president now does not care about anything but himself. And the 1% of millionaires that have millions and millions and millions of dollars. Other than that, he does not care. He does not care about medical issues. He does not care about the middle class. He does not care about the poor. He only cares about the rich. And that, folks, is the sad truth. And in 2024, if he does run, what will he do? I'm not saying he will, I'm not saying he won't. But if he does, he is ruining his chances of ever running this country. For a second term. Ever again. With his first term. Four years. Right now. By not conceding. To the incoming. President. Joe. Biden. And let me tell you something. I've seen. A person on TikTok. And. A video. Surfaced. On the internet. And this person. Had a disability. This person. Said. If she got married. She would lose her. Her state ability to ever live she would lose her state money to ever live comfortable again. See, I have a pre-existing condition. It's called cerebral palsy. And these people that have cerebral palsy, such as myself, don't need to worry about losing money. Because it won't happen. There's no way it can happen. And it won't happen. You know why? Because we have a new president coming in to the White House. Again. This has been 60 Minutes. The TV show. In part. With me talking about. Political. Things.
handicapped people don't need to worry about losing their state money just because they're worried about getting married and falling in love with anyone. I tell you what, fall in love with someone, get married, get married, do it. You'll still have your social security number, you'll still have your social security money, you'll still have your money. Your pre-existing money, your disability money, whatever you call it, you'll still have it. Don't ever let Donald Trump get you thinking that you will lose something when you won't. Just because you want to get married. Get married. Have kids. Do what you do. Live life. Don't let one president. Get inside your heads. And. Tell you. That you're going to lose all that if you get married. As it stands right now. Apparently. People are worried. About losing their. Pre-existing condition. Money. And losing their. Benefits. I'm here to tell you, you don't need to worry about that, because it won't happen. It can't, it can happen, but it won't happen. Believe that, folks. This has been the Truth News with Rain and Hunt. And that is the truth. Good night. To all. Of my listeners. There's 60 minutes all around the world. 60 Minutes Australia, 60 Minutes Germany, 60 Minutes Japan, 60 Minutes Italy, 60 Minutes Morocco, Zimbabwe, you name it, it's probably got the 60 Minutes Name You can find this stuff on 60 Minutes YouTube Just type in the country With The name of the show And You'll get that show's YouTube account. I watched the 60 Minutes Australia story on YouTube of a man that has no face but had a face. 
that was riddled with in an accident and they reattached it with reconstructive surgery. And now he has a face. Once again, it's called a facial transplant. And then there's one story about one man with a hundred or so kids. The point of this podcast, 60 Minutes Podcast, is point out how many cool things and out of the ordinary things along with American things that 60 Minutes have recovered in the news. Honestly, I had no idea that there was such a thing as facial implants or reconstructive facial surgery where you take the complete face of somebody else off their face because they're not here anymore and implanted on somebody else. 